0: The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk.
1: Ursula von der Leyen, President of the European Commission, delivered her annual State of the Union speech this morning. The speech marks the start of the EU's working year and previews initiatives for the next twelve months. To tell us what she had to say, we're joined by Francis Fitzgerald, Irish MEP and Vice Chair of the European People's Party. Francis, good morning. Good morning, Pat. Now, lots of things she might have talked about. So let's uh, hear what she had to say, uh, first of all, uh, about her own political future. Is she going for re-election, do you think?
0: (laughs) I personally think she is. I think she has shown the vision and the leadership to deserve another term. Uh, But that was not addressed, Pat. But she certainly addressed almost everything else.
1: Okay, now uh, Ukraine is writ large, of course, uh, all of Europe at the moment because of uh, refugees and economic difficulties, energy and so on. Did she talk about the energy battle with Russia?
0: Well, she talked about Europe's self-sufficiency and the strides that we have made and intending to continue in that way. She also addressed it in relation to China and very much, you know, having the, uh, you know, we have to de-risk from China, but not decouple as she talks uh, about it, Um, very much focusing on the moment of history. And that Europe has to grasp it. And I think the way she dealt with the Russian question was very much about saying uh, that the future of Ukraine is in Europe. And she told a very poignant story about a young Ukrainian journalist who crossed the border with her son, arrived in Hungary, and said, We are home. The son said, No, we're not home. She said, We're in Europe. The same journalist went back and was killed in Ukraine. And one of the colleagues with her, a Colombian man called Hector, was in, in the parliament today. So that was very poignant catching. Mm-hmm the total distress in relation to Ukraine. So very much pushing strong an enlargement and saying we can cope. There were always pessimists around who said we couldn't. That was a big theme of uh, catching this moment in history properly. It was a big theme of her address.
1: Now, one of the things that she had promised uh, was that there would be a policy uh, produced which would attempt to seize the reserves of the Russian central bank to pay for the reconstruction of Ukraine. Any sign of that?
0: Well, she didn't, you know, this was a kind of a big speech in relation to major themes. They, you know, if you like those details of sanctions, she didn't mention today, but I can tell you the mood in the parliament is to make sure that sanctions are working. And I think the mood of the commission as well, uh, because we know that Russia, for example, gets around some of the embargoes by, you know, selling uh, to India. And she talked about trying to have better relationship with India, building those world alliances to deal with these issues. But it's, as you know, even when you look at the UN votes, this is not an easy task, uh, you know, to get the kind of support, the global support we need in relation to sanctions and dealing with Russia, Now, even uh, in the UN.
1: She, she uh, obviously majored on decarbonisation and sustainability and so on. Uh, And in a funny way, you know, the the Chinese are leading the way in terms of the plethora of electric vehicles they're producing. And she made reference to China undercutting the markets with uh, subsidised electric vehicles, which they're sending uh, to Europe. And this against the background of the German auto industry uh, suffering something of a decline.
0: Totally. The German economy is in trouble. And as we know, uh, the Chinese economy is also in trouble. But she announced a major investigation into those Chinese electric vehicles. And as you know, the big problem in our relationship with China is the massive subsidization that's done in that country. So for our manufacturers, it's so hard to get a fair regime and and to compete with that. And of course, the big issue in Europe at the moment is dealing with inflation and trying to keep Europe competitiveness and trying to strengthen, if you like, and she talked about this a lot, our geopolitical position. And she was very optimistic. And I actually agree with her with the way Europe has responded to the most recent crisis, whether it's covid You know, or so on, the war in Ukraine, the kind of unity that we've seen. Now, it's not complete in terms of the responses, but it's been pretty good. And, uh, you know, she's optimistic in relation to that, as I am. But there's a lot of work to do for Europe to remain, you know, competitive and to deal. You know, our policy with China is cooperate where we can, confront Uh, you know, where we we need to uh, be competitive with them. But that's not easy, given the approach of the Chinese government.
1: Any leader these days who makes a major speech can't avoid mentioning AI. Did she resist the temptation or did she? No,
0: of of course not. Of course not. We obviously, uh, as she said, as we often do in law, leading the way on getting a law on AI. And in fact, my colleague, Deirdre Clune is working on that. But she talked about a human response to AI, if you like, getting on top of it and working with the developers. She quoted the agreement in the USA with the major tech companies, where it's a voluntary agreement to work with uh, government to make sure that it human centred, and she talked about the huge challenge of it, and that we do need to get on top of it. And she announced, you know, a number of initiatives uh, in relation to the commission, making sure that we have. Uh, you know, the right response to AI and, you know, also talking interestingly about the threat is, uh, that it is and mentioning, you know, we've had to deal with threats around nuclear as well. She put it in the same sentence. So I, I think we've all have a lot of work to do in relation uh, to that. We were slow, if you like, getting the digital Uh, Services Act and the Digital Markets Act. And we did leave, I I believe, tech companies got away. The Internet, you know, was the Wild West, as we know, even in terms of safety of children uh, and women and cyber violence. uh, You know, we we've had a lot of work to do. She was very good, by the way, in equality as well. Uh, I'm working on a new directive on violence against women and the member states don't want to include rape in it. Can you believe that? Because they say it goes beyond EU law. So she made a very strong plea uh, to have a law that deals with the consent issues and with rape.
1: Explain uh, why some uh, nation members are objecting to to rape and and what uh, was she proposing? I mean, because national well, laws it, normally deal with these kind of things. Of
0: course they do, but this is the first directive on violence against women. That you know, EU-wide directive trying to get the same responses all over Europe in terms of preventing violence against women, prosecuting it, and you know, promoting the proper standards. But the f- extraordinary thing is that quite a number of the member states have said that rape can't be included in it because it goes beyond, if you like, the competence of the EU in relation to member states. Now, as you know, Pat, legal advice can often be used in a way that, you know, (laughs) to Mm -hmm. suit whatever the positioning is. So the parliament and the commission believe there is a legal basis. The member states are reluctant. And uh, that's what we're working on in trilogues at the moment, trilogues between the council, the commission and the parliament. So that's, this is a very big issue. And, you know, I, I personally think it shows a kind of misogyny, really, that if you can't include rape in a directive on violence against women in this, you know, day and age, I'm really concerned.
1: Which nations, which countries?
0: A lot of the bigger countries, actually. I mean, it's it's France, it's Germany. Um, it's 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 about fourteen countries. So you know, they've whatever legal advice they got at the beginning of the process are sticking with it. But we're working in each of those countries and working at European level to try and get a change.
1: Interesting what's up here. If the climate measures that the EU implements are inherently inflationary and the examples given are food production, you know, if our farmers can have fewer uh, cows on the pastures, well, you know, milk production is going to be more expensive. Uh, Carbon taxes uh, push up prices. Then why has the ECB mandate not been adjusted to permit the measures and the associated inflation to happen? the policy is disjointed. Do you, do you get the point from the listener I, there that if you do things that are going to cause inflation then don't start increasing interest rates because of inflation that you yourself caused?
0: Well I mean it's sort of a catch-22 isn't it? It's always problematic what measures you do to, to try to alleviate things and we're going to have the same issue in the upcoming budget. How do you avoid adding to an inflationary peak. Uh, one of the points she made, and that I thought spoke about it very well, was the absolute essential role of farmers and that she believed farming and protecting the environment are compatible. But, of course, as we've seen recently, that is a journey uh, that we're all on. Uh, and she talked about, you know, food security and the essential role of farmers. Um, but, again, the policy...
1: Oh. We seem to
0: contradict have, yeah. one another. It's it's a, it's ongoing, isn't it? Each initiative, you know. So I think we need more dialogue and less polarization on these issues. But of course, ECB uh, or anybody else, they're always watching out for inflationary. Precious, they don't want to add to them, but you know, equally, (laughs) the interest rate uh, increase has always been used as an anti-inflationary measure.
1: All right, Francis, thank you very much for joining us, Francis Fitzgerald, Irish MEP and vice chair of the European People's Party. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk.